Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. February 1st with Over the Line. If you've ever driven a tractor, you're her friend. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Tractor drivers, uh, plow truck drivers, all of you that were working the snow this weekend, you're my friend. Morning, everybody. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yonke along with you. Were you a little surprised at how much snow we picked up? Somehow I did not see all of that coming our way. But the good news is the snow has now moved on. And all we're looking forward to this week are very, very chilly temperatures. Of course, we're talking weather details with our man Stumuck in just a little bit. But let me give you the outline as far as the forecast for this week is concerned. Like I said, it is going to stay chilly. Today, probably the coldest day of the week. We'll have partly sunny skies, but rise no higher than four above. And you know if there's any kind of breeze, what those wind chills are going to be like. Tomorrow, partly sunny and 12 above. Wednesday, partly sunny and 24 Thursday, partly sunny, 23, and on Friday, day number two of the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo, day number two of the Grassworks Grazing Conference, well, we'll see some partly sunny skies, 12 degrees on Friday. Then we warm up just a little bit into the weekend, but like I said, I'll have Stumach tell us more about those details in just a little bit. Details are exactly what they're trying to pull together as we begin another legislative session down at the state capitol. What does agriculture have to be aware of? Is there anything policy-wise that uh, has already been developed? Uh, Stephanie Hoff got a chance to visit with Senator Howard Markline, who is the chair of the Joint Finance Committee. And, of course, that's a pretty powerful committee when it comes to the state's purse strings. What is he monitoring? Also this morning, I'm sure you're monitoring how you're spending your money at the grocery store. One area that does not look like it's going to go down anytime soon, beef. Why? Well, despite all that snow we've got outside, there's plenty of folks in the Central Plains that were still facing drought last year, and that impacted how many animals they were marketing and will be marketing. Dr. Brenda Battelle, ag economist at UW-River Falls, sat down and visited about the subject with Carrie Mess. She's got details on the way. Speaking of details, on the way next, Bob Bolsold from the northern end of the world's longest barn, catching up with one of our former UW Extension Beef Specialist, Dr. Mike Siemens, who tells us more about Protect the Harvest. What is it? Bob Bosol joins us in just a moment. White mold and sudden death syndrome are two of the most important fungal diseases in soybean production today. But did you know 40 to 50 million acres in the north central region are affected annually? When every season has different disease challenges, the question becomes, how can you ensure the best start for your soybeans no matter what? The answer is heads up. Trusted by growers across the Midwest, Heads Up offers a new mode of action to prime your beans to help fight fungal disease. Compatible and cost-effective. For more information, visit headsupst.com. Protect the harvest. What does that mean? Put more herbicides on your crops to protect it from weeds so we've got a good harvest? No, it's an organization that is more than just your crops. It's the whole food industry in the United States. Very active in that is uh, Mike Siemens, Dr. Mike Siemens. Uh, we knew him a few years ago, and he was a beef specialist for the University of Wisconsin, the state of Wisconsin. And uh, Mike, how long ago was that? And uh, you've had uh, various opportunities over the years before you kind of landed here with Protect the Harvest. Yeah, I would guess, Bob, back when we did that, we both were a little less gray than we are now. 
So yeah, I left there right at uh, 2000 and been to Smithfield since then and Smithfield Foods and then Cargill since then and with a company called Aerosite now, work with all the animal protein producers in the country. And uh, as a part of that job, uh, I work with Protect the Harvest on our board of directors. Tell us about Protect the Harvest because we said it's a kind of an all-encompassing term. You're not out there talking about insect management and corn right. or soybeans. It's the whole, whole food production focus in this country. What is it? What's the goal? So the, the main things we're trying to focus on, I think in general, is inform, educate, protect, and advocate for the American farm and rancher. We focus a lot on land and animal use and ownership. We work on the exterior, you know, the general outdoor hunting, fishing, recreation, things like that. But just allowing the American farm and rancher to do what they do best as unencumbered as they can is minimal attack as they get by the activist groups that keep trying to put burden on them and to try to push back on unnecessary and unruly regulations that may come down the path and give that information out there so the general public knows what the facts are and try to be more proactive because in an industry, and we've been doing this a long time, as you know, we are great at being reactive. We are relatively terrible at being proactive. And to get the message across, given the general environment, given what we're dealing with the general public that doesn't know much or anything about how their food is produced, being reactive is usually a losing battle. So we got to do a better job getting our message out there, either through social media, engagement, things of that nature, working with our different groups, and try to get the general public to understand where their food and fiber actually comes from. As we look at this, we have, you know, the public knows about PETA, SPCA, yep. and things like that. But you follow so many more groups all over the country that have, uh, well, concerns, I guess, unfounded in many cases. It's, it's, a, it's an unending challenge. Well, I mean, they are agenda-driven. Um, the ones I've worked with probably for the last 20-plus years have been the animal activist groups, the animal rights groups. They're the ones, I mean, their sole agenda is a vegan agenda. So it's a vegetarian agenda, no meat on your plate, no eggs on your plate, no milk in your cups, no cheese on your burgers, definitely no bacon on your burgers. So that's their agenda. They try to do it in different forms and fashions. They try to tuck at the heartstrings of Americans, the general public that don't understand how food is produced, and try to get ballot initiatives through, try to get efforts through, try to get coalitions pushed together to push back against animal agriculture and animal protein production. And it's our job as Protect the Harvest to get our message out there, let them know the facts. We don't try to pick battles, but we do try to, you know, put information out there so the general public knows the facts. We share the information with them. We continue to need to do a better job. We need to do a better job on social media. We need to be more proactive, which again, we're not very good at doing it. And their budgets, they usually run on a $100 million budget like HSUS might. They got a big staff that they do with and they got one sole focus. Our industry, we leave this convention here this week. Everybody goes back doing their same job. It's, we focus on things for a short period of time, but we get fragmented. And that's probably the biggest, that's probably our biggest strength and weakness as an industry, that we talk about things, we do things in a good productive way, but the follow through, the proactive nature of it, has really been a difficult thing to try to accomplish long term. Again, something happens, we get together, we push back, but we gotta, we gotta quit doing it that way. We gotta start getting the effort in front of the people, let them know what's going on so we're not constantly putting out fires we're doing things in a proactive way to get the message out and garner better support from the general public that just really doesn't know a lot about how their food is produced. How can you fight these groups? As you said, they've got unbelievable budgets. They'll take you to court, then you've got to defend yourself in court. Those things aren't, aren't cheap. Well, I mean, you know, California Prop 12 is probably the best example. Uh, that came out in 2018. The, the Supreme Court, they finally got in front of the Supreme Court 
Protect Harvest actually wrote an amicus brief for the National Pork Producers Councils and American Farm Bureau in that particular uh, court case that got in front of the Supreme Court. They heard it. I think the arguments went very well on the behalf of production agriculture. I think it was very positive. We'll know probably more beginning of the first quarter next year where the actual ruling comes down with. But there are so many unforeseen consequences with that. Again, if you'd ever look at the ballot initiative, and I did back in 2019 when it came out, I, I don't blame the general public for voting positive on it because the way it was written, the way it was described, I think most general common sense people would say, yeah, that makes sense to me, not knowing what the ramifications could be long term. So I don't blame the general public. I don't maybe blame us for not getting our message out better from that standpoint. But we had a nice, we had a nice effort pushing back against it. But again, the general public is so out of touch. They're, they're watching football, basketball, cooking shows. Who knows what they're watching? They're not paying attention to the issues. And when they see that on the ballot, they just read it there when they're filling out their ballot. And they say, yeah, I like that. I'm going to vote yes. And they move on. Well, the ramifications have been pretty severe. And the Supreme Court heard it. I th again, I think the discussion went well when they made the presentation and arguments with the Supreme Court. We'll find out hopefully in January, first quarter of next year, what the ruling is going to be. But it's just those type of things that it's that laser focus that they, that the activist group had. And even though we put a lot of time, effort, and money, and resources into pushing back against that, uh, they were successful. Now, hopefully, we can. There will be enough common sense out there in the legal system, the justice system, that we'll get that, you know, reversed. But you know, we'll know next. Well, we'll know next year. And stories like that in California, there's always more behind the headlines. I mean, you let a state like California make decisions on how Iowa farmers raise hogs. You know, then Iowa farmers, as one guy said, well, Iowa farmers can then go to court saying yep. Californians can't raise almonds. I mean, you can't have states making decisions on how other states operate, and that's what we're yep. getting to, and, and that's going to do nothing but raise food prices, which we can't afford. Well, and, and again, if you look, do I think that the animal activists care if it raises food prices? That whole Prop 12... It's not going to impact the affluent people out there. They're still going to get their product. They're going to get their feed. They're going to put their bacon on their sandwiches. It's the it's the lower middle. It's the underprivileged groups that's going to get hurt. It's the groups that out there that are going paycheck to paycheck. They're the and we're hearing it right now. Inflation. I mean, you're seeing it right now. So that on top of inflation, on top of gas prices, everything else going on right now, it's just, it's that perfect storm we're dealing with right now. We talk about a fragile industry. You know, pre-COVID, you drop a pebble in the water, you make a ripple. Right now, it's more, if there's an issue right now, it's more of a boulder going into that water because the unforeseen consequences in supply chain, how fragile things are with the cost, with everything else going on, trying to get product in, trying to get product out. It's just, uh, you know, again, we've been doing this a long time. I've never seen it quite like this before. Again, we've never had that kind of a pandemic or, you know, with COVID and everything. So that was a whole game changer. But uh, I've never seen an industry that I perceive as relatively as fragile as it is right now that little things can have a big impact and, and not in a good way. Going forward, what are you looking at as far as consumers, the recommendation for consumers to be aware of what's going on and what these groups are really trying to job getting our message out. I think social media is the way now. Um, again, I don't talk politics, but when we looked at the last election, a lot of young people came out and voted this last time. We got to reach a younger audience. We got to get better on social media. We got to do a better job, more proactively, getting that message out. We, we've got ways that we've done it for 30 years, and the ways we've done in the past. And and I'm not, I'm not giving a hard time to any association because they're all making the same type of. Everybody knows what needs to be done. It takes time, it takes money, it takes effort, it takes focus. And I think that's, when I talk about the fragmentation of our industry, we've got to get less fragmented, more focused on pushing that message out. If not, we're going to continue being reactive instead of proactive. 
and that's a losing battle in the long run. So we're trying to do our job in terms of helping those associations and ourselves get that message out via social media and other venues, meet, um, like we're doing here today. Bob, just exactly like we're doing here today. Uh, again, we're talking to, I think, a friendlier audience than what we normally would do if it was other type of media sources. But we got to get that message out. And if we don't, we're just continually backpedaling and putting out fires instead of keeping, you know, keeping things at bay. And it just, we got to do a better job. When do you expect a Supreme Court decision is going to come out on this California proposition? Because that is going to be a major decision for agriculture. Yeah, I don't have a crystal ball, but I hear the, the pundits that have better knowledge than I do probably talk January, something like that, first quarter next year. Again, you know how things go like that. It, but again, I think that's the general consensus. January, ballpark would be a legitimate time. But again, we're at, we're at their mercy, their schedule. They're not at ours. Mm -hmm. And you'll be happy to know that one of your babies in Wisconsin, World Beef Expo, is progressing nicely since you got years. started. 20, I guess 26 years this year. I was supposed to go back last year. My wife and I got tied up, couldn't make it back. And we sit around the uh, Wisconsin Department of Ag talking to the folks up there saying, we got an idea we want to try to do with you guys. And they're looking at us saying, Beef Expo to Dairy State. Okay. And 25 years later, still going well, and uh, I'm, I'm proud of them. They're, they've done a great job, and, yeah, it's, it's pretty close to my heart, and I'm really proud of the guys up there. And that was Bob Bolsold from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire, catching up with Dr. Mike Siemens from Tech to Harvest. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to access the bankers you know. Bankers who listen to your goals then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters. Virtually or in person, we're here when you need us. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. White mold and sudden death syndrome are two of the most important fungal diseases in soybean production today. But did you know 40 to 50 million acres in the north central region are affected annually? When every season has different disease challenges, the question becomes, how can you ensure the best start for your soybeans no matter what? The answer is Heads Up. Trusted by growers across the Midwest, Heads Up offers a new mode of action to prime your beans to help fight fungal disease. Compatible and cost effective. For more information, visit HeadsUpST.com. Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual Insurance, the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, is here for you even when the weather isn't. With crop hail damage, protect your operation from hail, fire, lightning, and more. Visit RuralMutual.com slash farm. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. When it comes to custom jewelry, get to know your Denny's jeweler. The way Denny's works custom is based on emotions and it's based on the clients, what they are feeling and wanting and looking for. And eventually it evolves into this piece of art. I'm Nick Denny. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngkin. And I am guessing that a lot of you worked up a sweat over the weekend one time or another, or maybe multiples, as you tried to get past this snow that uh, surprised a lot of us in the state. Let's talk about it. Time for your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Stu Muck along with us. Yeah, I mean, I knew we were going to probably get a little snow, but this this uh, surprised me. Who, it, was it southeast Wisconsin that got the most, or what are you seeing, buddy? Southeast did pretty well, but I see uh, Madison as well picked up all around uh, some places, eight, almost nine inches. That was pretty common as you look towards southeast Wisconsin, Racine, Kenosha, nine, ten inches. And it was nice light snow Saturday night. Experienced it, it kind of thawed with a little sunshine on Sunday, became kind of icy if you didn't get it cleaned up right away. So we had uh, some winter weather with that snowfall. Now it's been followed up by cold air. We knew that was going to happen. I mean, let's talk about the fact that high pressure is building in from the west. High pressure will try to clear skies, meaning a little more sunshine today. But we have a very cold start. And in fact, there's a wind chill advisory, Monroe, La Crosse, Jackson County, and uh, even up into Wood and Portage County till 10 this morning, where wind chill values could be dropping down at 20 or 25 below. Bundle up, take it serious. Frostbite happens pretty quickly in this kind of weather, not just in the West, but I think for all of us, let's talk about the next, uh, we'll say 36 hours when we're out, especially later on this evening or into early Tuesday, it's going to be pretty frosty all over with a high pressure system keeping cold air around, but dry air through the week. I'll have forecast details right after this. Focus on your farm in 2023 with Focus on Energy. Focus on Energy can identify energy efficiency upgrades on your farm, helping you save money on your utility bills for years to come. Get started today by contacting your energy advisor. Call 800-762-7077 or visit focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness to learn more. That's focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness. Focus on Energy, helping farmers save since 2001. Join the fabulous farm babe, Pam Yonke, along with Wisconsin soybean and corn growers at the 2023 Corn Soy Expo. It's February 2nd and 3rd at the Kalahari Resort in the Wisconsin Dells. Pam will be broadcasting on Thursday with Compere Financial at booth 409 and Friday from the Wisconsin Soybean Board booth number 701. For more information or to make plans to attend, visit cornsoyexpo.org. Yeah, and it's going to be a a cold start to Corn Soy Expo later this week, but uh, what about the precipitation? Are we pretty much out of the snow ban now? What precipitation? I don't have any in the picture, Pam. I'm, I'm looking to next week, and for the most part, we stay dry. So that's probably good news, but there are some clouds around this morning. Skies will clear out. Becoming more sunny from west to east today. Temps in the single digits, maybe 10 or 11 at Madison to be a warm spot. Milwaukee probably even warmer yet today. But the wind chill values with northwest winds around 5 or 10. Wind chill values even through the day today at 10 or 15 below. Overnight, we stay mostly clear. Let's just say about 12 below. And winds from the northwest will only be around 5. For tomorrow, mostly sunny. 
If we're lucky, back to about 12 above with the southwest winds at 5 to 10. The sun will help. And by Wednesday, mostly sunny, 22. Southwest winds at 5 to 15. Wednesday, Thursday, a little more mild, Pam, but we get a renewing little cool blast just to wrap up the week for Friday. Yeah, but then we do warm up a little bit starting on the weekend, don't we? Just a tittle. Yeah, the week the weekend looks a little better. I think we get back up, maybe even see a 30 on Saturday or Sunday. Holy kitten. All right, buddy. Good deal. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Thanks. You bet. Have a great day. All righty. Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist, with the weather details that you're looking for, even though they are bone-chillingly cold. Appreciate it all the same. Let's talk about it. It's brought to you courtesy of Compure Financial. Remember, Compure Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture in rural America. Visit Compure.com. Hey, stick around. They had the Outstanding Young Farmer Award Weekend up in Manitowoc, and we've got a new couple that's going to be representing the state at the National Competition 2024. I've got details on the way. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Sweet of Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta Metal Roof. S-W-I-T-A MetalRoofing.com Sweeta Metal Roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. If you talk and they will hear you every single time. Oh, we're getting killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle and some other kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt, that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh, that needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local, William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Focus on your farm in 2023 with Focus on Energy. Focus on Energy can identify energy efficiency upgrades on your farm, helping you save money on your utility bills for years to come. Get started today by contacting your energy advisor. Call 800-762-7077 or visit focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness to learn more. That's focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness. Focus on Energy, helping farmers save since 2001. Who was your hero when you were a kid? Neil Armstrong or Louis Armstrong? Roberto Clemente or Walter Cronkite? 
Rosa Parks or Sally Ride. You're the right age to do something you can be remembered for. Register to become an organ and tissue donor. Even if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, or beyond, any age is the right age to donate the gift of life. Learn how at organdonor.gov or call 1-866-99-DONATE. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in ten young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. They say yes to seven straight days. A traveling dress rehearsal for you to get comfortable in the seat and feel the power behind the smartest purchase you've ever made. The seven day, no questions asked return policy, if you need it, at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. Who have been devoid of anything talent in the quarterback position for a long time. And there might be little glimpsing, uh, fleeting glimpses of flash, if you will. Outside of that, though, it's been pretty tough sledding for a lot of organizations who would kill to have the end, the back end, the back nine, the back heading to the clubhouse of an Aaron Rodgers career. Like, they would kill to have it. And what did the Jets do yesterday? They went and got Aaron Rodgers' best buddy, or former best buddy, Nathaniel Hackett, um, and said, how about you be our OC? Uh, I know it didn't really work out in Denver, but, man, you actually had a, a decent stop in Jacksonville, and then you had a really good stop in Green Bay before you you know hit the, the brakes in Denver. I It is a ploy to get Aaron Rodgers, I think. <laughs> well, if it is... I mean, it worked really well in Denver the year before. Right. It's like, did you not watch what happened there? It Obviously, it didn't work in Denver. Now, that team was not very good. Russell Wilson was not very good. The defense was pretty good. good. But Nathaniel Ackett has nothing to do with the defense. No. Now, I could see where they're trying to use that. But also, it's kind of like what you just said. Uh, This is what I've been thinking lately with all of the Rodgers-Jets hysteria. It's like we as Packer fans, my entire life, all I've known is Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You know what was some of the worst years ever watching football? It was when Aaron Rodgers hurt, hurt, got hurt. Yeah. And you had Seneca Wallace. 
You had Matt Flynn. You had Scott Tolzien. You had insert some journeyman. Joel Callahan. Yeah, insert some journeyman. Brett Hudley. Oh, it was a bunch of guys. You know, statistically not great. I'll tell you that much. That were clearly backups. Like Matt Flynn is probably the only one that you could argue could have had a, a time in the sun yeah. and be a starter somewhere for a small amount of time. And then who did he get beat up by? Russell Wilson. And then he also went to Oakland. Who did he get beat up beat by? out by McGloin yeah. and uh, eventually Terrell Pryor. Yeah. But regardless, he could have had his time in the sun in a particular situation, like a, you know, a bottom five or six team in the league. Mm-hmm. Other than that, though, all those guys were clear cut backups or worse, like third string. Mm-hmm. And they were awful. Terrible. And you saw in some of those years how bad the roster was without Aaron Rodgers. I, I just sit here and. Imagine being in such a spoiled spot where all you know is that, hey, we went from one Hall of Famer after 15-ish years to another Hall of Famer for 15-ish years. We're easily going to pull another Hall of Famer for 15 years. <laughs> it doesn't really happen. It, like it doesn't. That. Look at all the organizations around that just desperately need something. Well, I mean, like the Jets. If you want to talk about an organization that pulled three pretty darn good quarterbacks back to back to back, you look at San Francisco, they had Joe Montana, mm-hmm. they had Steve Young, and if we got this type of caliber player from Jordan Love and it was only for like six years, I would take it. Do sure. you remember Jeff Garcia? He <laughs> yeah. Was, he, was pretty good, he was a pretty good football player. And a hot wife. I mean, if you're San Francisco, could you ask for a much better back-to-back-to-back than that? No. I, I honestly don't know off the top of my head any better situation than that one. Man, Lisa Garcia. Buddy. I no, think she yeah. was a former playboy. Yeah. But anyways, it's like that's about as good as it gets. Do you really expect Jordan Love to be another Hall of Famer? I mean, no. The odds would say no. I mean, the lightning striking twice is crazy enough. Isn't it? Lightning striking three but, times? Yeah. But think about how hard it is to find such quality quarterbacking when you're talking about an Aaron Rodgers who just turned 39. He had a broken thumb all year. And the Jets, ribs, ribs. The Jets are willing to throw in some of these. And we're talking about not, not exactly the Jets front office, but fans, because you see it all on Twitter. Oh, yeah, that's how, yeah. Jets fans willing to throw out two first round picks and a player to get Aaron Rodgers at age 39. They're desperate when he's really only guaranteed to play one more year. They're desperate. Dude. I mean, remember when the Jets got Brett Favre, they were all, I mean, they thought Super Bowl incoming and it, Favre was crushing but, it until he got you, hurt. If you see how some of these fan bases are willing to throw away. And now again, it's not the front office. We don't know what they're thinking, but when fan bases are willing to throw away multiple picks for a quarterback that'll turn 40 in the next year. Oh, yeah. Because, and, and he's coming and I saw, off of a bad year where he was injured. Oh, they would throw anything for Rodgers. I saw people on. Tilling every inch of land in the state, except Lambeau Field. There's consecrated ground. Pam Yonke and the Farm Report. Cold weather on the way this uh, last few days of January into February. Today, no warmer than four above. Tomorrow, 12 degrees. Wednesday, 24. Thursday, 23. Friday, 12 degrees before we turn the corner on the weekend and start gaining back a little bit of heat. Not a lot. 
It is, of course, January in Wisconsin. I'm Pam Yonke. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, today, already the 30th day of January. What can I tell you? On this day back in 1969, the Beatles gave their last public performance. They played on a rooftop of the Apple Corps building at, uh, in London. Last Beatles public performance on this day back in 1969. A couple of happy birthdays. Uh, Gene Hackman, actor, 93. Wow. Gene Hackman, 93. Phil Collins, 72. Actress Vanessa, Gra- Vanessa Redgrave, 86 on this date. Happy birthday to all. And now you know. Hey, if you hadn't already heard, want to congratulate our new outstanding young farm couple that was recognized this weekend in Manitowoc at the 69th Annual Awards Weekend. A farm couple from Vesper. Congratulations to Travis and Melissa Marty, named Wisconsin's Outstanding Young Farmers. Uh, they are going to now represent Wisconsin on the national scene. A little bit more about Travis and Melissa Marty. They are milking 535 cows. They have about 614 crop acres that they own and rent an additional 800 acres. Uh, Travis says he really credits his employees and ag professionals for helping him through the farm's growing pains. He's grateful to his grandpa and dad for sharing their knowledge. And, of course, Melissa uh, has assumed ownership responsibility in the farm as well. Congratulations, Travis and Melissa Marty from Vespers, named the Wisconsin Outstanding Young Farmers over the weekend in Manitowoc. Well, a lot of farmers are out there trying to figure out what they can do. Are they going to be growing corn and beans? Are they milking cows, growing hogs, maybe some poultry? Well, I'll tell you what, if you're in the beef business, you've been paying attention not just to what you're paying at the grocery store, but also uh, the movement of cattle across the United States in large part because of the drought last year. Carrie Mass sat down with Dr. Brenda Botel, ag economist from UW-River Falls, to talk about the beef outlook for 2023. Drought and a drop in exports is causing some big swings in our national beef herd, but there is some positive news out there for beef farmers in our area. Brenda Botel is a professor and extension commodity marketing specialist at UW-River Falls. She gives us the facts about the challenges and potential in today's beef market. For the Midwest Farm Report, this is Carrie Mess. Brenda, once again, drought is putting pressure on many of our beef-producing areas of the country. Where does the national beef herd stand at this moment? Yes, uh, 2022 saw the beef industry really being impacted by drought. We had large amounts of cow culling. Um, so when you look at slaughter in 2022, cow slaughter, beef cow slaughter, was up um, almost 11% relative to what it was in 21. Um, Heifers slaughter was up again roughly um, a big percentage as well not quite that much I believe it was around four to five percent in that case so even though steer slaughter was down so we had increased beef production but the beef that was being produced was coming from different types of animals and whether or not we can continue that so Last year at this time, you know, I fully expected that the cat, the beef cattle herd would continue to decline. Um, we typically will see that for a while after we've had it. I was kind of saying 
it would be around 300,000 head. Realistically, by the time you incorporate cow slaughter, heifers that are on feed, things like that, we might see close to a million head decline. So it's it's significantly impacted. Now that's regionally gonna have different impacts um, on where those cows were being culled, but from a national perspective, that herd is down. The question becomes on whether or not the drought is going to, if we're going to have any uh, reprieve from that drought, and whether or not we get any forage availability. We know hay stocks are down. Um, so whether or not we get any forage availability, any pasture availability, because if we don't and we continue to see more culling in 23, um, that's going to create even greater issues. If we start to see in the drought, we have reprieve on that. If we start to see that, then what producers are going to do, they'll hold those heifers back as replacements, which though drops beef production significantly again. So there's a few issues that we're going to have here in 23. It just kind of depends a lot on what's going to happen with weather. There's been a pretty significant change in the amount of beef we are exporting Tell me what that means for farmers here in Wisconsin. Realistically, next year, um, we will see 13, I said 13.3% um, decline in exports of beef in 23 relative to 22. Um, you know, so up, down a few percentage from that, but it's definitely going to be down. Um, a large chunk of that, a large reason, a, a large justification for why that is, is we just aren't going to have that production. We're going to see less beef being produced in the United States. Um, and we like that beef. We are a, we, we like our beef in the United States and they're not necessarily always the same. What we import, we'll see increased imports of beef in order to be able to make sure that we still have beef supplied there. But what we typically import, um, we're importing that typically for more of those hamburger or those lower cuts of beef where is if you're really looking at those middle meats, things like that, um, we want that grain-fed beef from the United States, so we'll just keep it here and consume it here. So for those farmers here in Wisconsin raising beef cattle, we have a lot of forage on hand. We have a lot of beef on dairy crosses available to us. When we look locally, are Wisconsin farmers going to fare any better than other parts of the country? We do have forage availability. We have better forage availability than, than elsewhere. Um, and we have some of the options. So right now, there is definitely um, some profit profitability, definitely increased margins for um, whether or not you're a cattle feeder. Um, you know, so if you're finishing those animals on beef on dairy and you have a place to be able to sell them, there's definitely um, improved outlook for you as far as those prices that what and that margin because it depends on what you were paying for those animals um those those feeder animals as you go into 23 they're going to continue to increase um the the finished animal price will continue to increase as well but those margins are going to get a little bit tighter by the end of 23 relative to where they're at at the beginning of 23 for the feeder if you're producing those calves or those feeder animals, so if you're a beef cow calf producer, or if you have a high quality um, dairy herd and you have a reputation for producing dairy uh, beef on dairy animals that present themselves as beef, you have some potential as well there and really capturing a lot of that margin there. And we're starting to see that already. Brenda, do you think we're going to see those five to $600 prices for 
your baby calves again? It depends a little bit on, again, drought. So if we even even though even in Wisconsin, if we aren't having it, but we're looking at it from a national perspective, if we don't get that reprieve, there's definitely potential for those prices to continue to increase. On that front, um, so a little bit's going to depend on how high they go up on how quickly this drought dissipates. That was Brenda Botel. She is a professor and extension commodity marketing specialist at UW-River Falls. For the Midwest Farm Report, this is Carrie Mess. Thanks, Carrie. Speaking of uh, beef, Carrie Mess going to be down at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association annual convention that gets started uh, today, I believe, in New Orleans. How are the markets starting this morning? Well, in reality, we're holding halfway firm. Dow Jones Industrial Average is a little soft, but right now our December corn's up a penny and a half, 588. November beans up 12, currently at 1363. July wheat's unchanged, 760 a bushel. And Friday in Chicago, barrel cheese dropped three and three quarter cents to 155 and a quarter. 40 pound black cheese was unchanged at 196, while double A butter finished a half cent higher, 227 and a quarter per pound. Right now, February milk's up four at 1810. March milk down three, currently sitting 1798 a hundredweight. Sure, looking forward to seeing a lot of you folks later this week at the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo, Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells. We'll get started on Thursday with a full day's worth of activities and Friday as well. Now, listen, I am going to be at uh, the Kalahari with my friends from Compure Financial on Thursday during the big show. On Friday, I'll be spending some time with the Wisconsin soybean growers. So if you're around those booth locations, that's where you'll find me. I'll also be moderating a special mental health panel that they're hosting. And I think I'm going to be your MC for the noon lunch on Friday to boot. So a couple different ways that I can catch up with you if you're on your way to Wisconsin Dells later this week for the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo. Go to cornsoyexpo.org if you're still looking for details. All right, up next... We're talking a little bit about the agendas that are being set down at the state capitol. Policy-wise, does Wisconsin agriculture have to keep an eye on anything? That's up next. Stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. We all get hit by the storms of life. I had noticed my legs were swelling and we went to Maine Medical Hospital. And they said, oh, Mr. Conquest, can you get up for your MRI? And I remember pushing up off the bed and I fell. Next thing I know, it was three weeks later. And I was paralyzed. It was a pretty low point to not be able to do the things that I love to do. PVA was there the first day. Thanks to PVA, Paralyzed veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments. The benefits they've earned, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. PVA has brought me back to life. I've fallen a few times and PVA is like, get up. We just keep getting up. 
To learn more, go to pva.org today. Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present, or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage, finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Here, money grows in rows. This is the Midwest Farm Report. It's still pretty early in the state legislative session for a discussion on any bills that we can expect to see regarding Wisconsin agriculture. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Senator Howard Markline is a Republican out of Spring Green, and he gives us an idea of the discussions that are circling the Capitol building. But first, he explains how his role on the Joint Finance Committee and the Senate Agriculture and Tourism Committee influences policy and the state budget. So any bill that affects taxation or spending uh, or as acquiring land, selling land, uh, new positions in an agency, that all has to go through the Joint Finance Committee for approval. So, which is a lot of bills. Obviously, there's a price tag uh, attached to a lot of bills. So, our committee um, gets involved uh, on a lot of things. Uh, you know, I serve on the uh, Agriculture Committee, but there's a lot of things that go through lots of other committees that may have a fiscal note that uh, Joint Finance Committee ultimately has to weigh in on. Are you seeing any bills come through the pipeline already? I know we just started a new session, but anything coming along? Not really. I mean, we, we've only been in session here now for three weeks, so the bills are just starting to get drafted. They're getting uh, referred to committees. There hasn't been a whole lot of committee activity going on. So, I mean, we're early in the process, and you know, it'll take a little bit here till those bills start hitting the committees, getting out of committees, and then ultimately, if they need action by the Joint Finance Committee, come to us, and then ultimately till they get to the floor of the Senate and the Assembly. Well, let's talk about the other committee that you're in that's pretty important to Wisconsin Agriculture, the Senate Ag and Tourism Committee. Can you give us a preview, you know, how many times have you guys met and anything that you're writing up? Again, at this point, we're early in the session, so uh, we have not met yet as an Ag and Tourism Committee. Uh, I expect we'll be meeting here in the next uh, next several weeks. Um, I, we haven't had any bills uh, referred to our committee, as, as far as I can tell. Uh, so, you know, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a while till we get, you know, again, get things into the pipeline and start hitting the Ag Committee. That doesn't mean you're not <laughs> working, right? As we know, winter conferences has, have been going on for egg organizations, winter meetings, and egg days at the Capitol. So you are in touch with those lobby groups that are vying for agriculture policy. Can you give us some examples of maybe what's come to your desk or come to your attention? Well, I mean, there's a lot of asks, um, and we're still early. We've got a lot of meetings scheduled here down the road with a, a lot of the ag groups. Uh, I always look forward to Ag Day at the Capitol. It is my favorite day in the Capitol. Um, uh, I have the most ag agriculturally dependent Senate district in the state of Wisconsin. So when farmers show up uh, for Ag Day at the Capitol, uh, those are my people. And I just love it. It's a, it's a great day. I enjoy it. Uh, and uh, we'll be hearing a lot from them, you know. And they represent the Farm Bureau and a lot of other farm groups. And we'll be hearing from them on their specific asks. 
Yeah, and at the Midwest Farm Report, we publish policy agendas for different groups, whether that's Dairy Business Association, Farm Bureau, Farmers Union, and most recently the Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association. Are they sending it to you also? Are they scheduling meetings with you? What's happening behind the scenes to get that policy moving forward? So like with the cheesemakers, they had their meeting last week uh, in Madison, and uh, I uh, spoke to their group uh, in, it, when they were in, here in the Capitol. Um, I've met with them, you know, on their requests uh, uh, that they want in, in legislation. So, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, it takes uh, those groups uh, act, uh, need to be active, uh, advocating for their groups. But I also think it's incredibly important for the farmers, the cheesemakers, the people that are affected uh, by those uh, groups that they they contact me as well to let me know how important it is that uh, their association is advocating for. Now, Senator, you have a direct relationship with agriculture. You grew up a farm kid, and how do you feel about eggs representation in the state legislature? I mean, every year it feels like there's less and less people representing us that don't have a farm background. You're absolutely right. You know, and it is kind of sad. And so one of the biggest challenges we have uh, as rural legislators, as, as farm kids, as you said, is, is to educate our colleagues about why something is important. Because if, uh, you know, they represent uh, Green Bay or they represent areas of the state that may not have uh, a lot of agriculture, and it's incumbent upon uh, us as legislators, but also uh, the groups, you know, the, 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 the Farm Bureau, Cheesemakers, all those groups that connect with them. And because we need their votes on it, even though they, they don't represent farm areas like I do, I need their votes. So it's important that they not only get me on board, because I'll, be yeah, I'll be supportive, obviously, uh, but it's important we get legislators from around the state uh, that are interested in some of those uh, farm topics. Any special projects or anything close to you regarding agriculture that you think that you'd like to take up or work on? this session? I, I co-chair the Joint Finance Committee, so uh, the Wisconsin state budget is my biggest priority. That's going to be taking up the bulk of my time here over the next five months, probably, till we get a, a budget done and, and through uh, the legislature. So that'll be my focus. You know, there will likely be agriculture items included in, in the budget, uh, you know, that we pass. So, uh, but uh, my biggest priority, again, in the next few months is the state budget. It's a big uh, I don't know how many billion dollar budget it's going to be, but 90 billion or something. It's going to be a big, a big dollar amount, and it's significant. But uh, I'm grateful for the role that I have overseeing the, the budget because, with my farm background, I, I'm, I'm in a good position to advocate for some of those uh, farm and rural uh, issues. Anything specific you can point out that your caucus is in support of that you think will make it in the state budget? So the the Dairy Innovation Hub, that was one of the things that I authored uh, a number of years ago. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to make any commitments. I can't uh, on behalf of our caucus. But uh, given my personal um, involvement uh, with that in the past, uh, I am pretty confident that the funding is going to continue for the Dairy Innovation Hub. We're happy uh, to have had that, and uh, as well as some of the other, the, the export uh, grant program uh, in, the, in the state. So uh, there's a lot of those things that um, we uh, passed uh, in prior budgets. And, and again, it's, it's important that as legislators, we remind our colleagues how important these things were, because sometimes we spend money uh, on something, and we forget to tell the story about the success that th this funding uh, created. 
Senator Howard Markline along with us. He co-chairs the Joint Finance Committee, which means a lot of his attention is going to be focused on the state budget this session. And then he's also on the Senate Agriculture and Tourism Committee. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. This is the Midwest Farm Report.